Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the return of FPL Sunday with David Monday. We're back on Sundays after last week's little switcheroo, although uh, we are live at a slightly earlier time this week, which I promise has nothing to do with the BBC centenary special episode of Doctor Who at half past seven. It's got nothing to do with... Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Who left that there? What? Anyway, right. We're not here to talk about time loss tonight, although... I have to say a time machine would probably be quite useful um, because it's been another chaotic weekend of FPL and I tell you what, if I had a TARDIS right now, I would definitely be going back and redoing my wildcard and I'm sure there are other people out there feeling exactly uh, the same. So we're here for the next hour to discuss some of the biggest talking points of the weekend, taking some of the social media reaction and look ahead to the future and we may or may not find out what my Dalek thinks of some of my players, but we will see. <laughs> we'll see. Um if there are any other Doctor Who fans out there as well in the chat, then do let me know. Then you will completely understand why we're going slightly earlier tonight. It's for incredibly selfish reasons, but um, I sort of don't care. It's, it's, you know, it's an important day. It's an important day. Uh, before we continue, don't forget to like, subscribe and hit the bell notification if you want more content like this uh, moving forward. And I should just say that I'm aware that we are going live towards the the sort of the, the dying embers of Spurs against Newcastle, which is quite important for, for some of you. Uh, so if you have players in that game, let me know and I will endeavour to bring you as many updates from that as I possibly can from my current position. Um, so uh, let's get started. Let's find out what people have been talking about this week. Well, we had to start in the very obvious place, which was the lunchtime kickoff, um, in which Salah blanked again. Uh, and and I've got to be honest, um, I think people probably should have been listening to Gandhi, right? Uh, famous uh, across the world for his teachings, specifically about early lunchtime kickoffs. Never back them. This is, is his view. And once again... That's what happened with Salah, blank and yellow kickoff. Uh, I always like to give a shout out to the podcast listeners. What's currently on the screen is that famous meme of uh, Xabi Alonso sort of walking away from the camera, holding his boots in very much a sort of retirement sort of pose. And FBL Martin has uh, put his uh, his screenshot of captaining Salah for two points, or rather for four points, I should say. Uh, as part of that, so it's sort of a little bit of a bit of a rage quit for many people, which I appreciate is, is difficult. We are actually going to talk about um, Salah in a little bit more detail because I'm sure that he is still on people's minds in terms of what to do with him going forward. Um, but yes, I, I'm definitely aware that there's a lot of Salah feeling out there right now. Elsewhere, in the same game, the fact that Salah blanked allowed Neko Williams to get another clean sheet. And well... Speaking of blanks, uh, Benny Blanco summed up the feeling perfectly with his little movie poster here. Uh, he's taken uh, Russell Crowe's Robin Hood movie 
and superimposed Neko Williams' face on top of it and uh, is advertising a movie coming to cinemas near you soon called Neko Williams is Robin Points because a lot of people have sold him uh, or benched him, I mean, as you would in a game against Liverpool. And he came up trumps once again. So if you had Neko Williams on your bench this week or you sold him recently, do tell me. Uh, too many fills in the comments says, a lot of benches outscoring the main team this week. Well, Neko Williams may well be semi-responsible for some of that. So, yes, let us know if that is you as well. What else? I've realised I've accidentally included another another one of FPL Martin's tweets here, but they're just they're too good. They're too good to ignore, in my opinion. Uh, we have here a picture of two sort of young-looking women sort of doing a face palm uh, with the caption, we're irritating, with three laughing faces. And he has captioned them Foden and Zaha, which I will absolutely empathise with. With the caption, FPL managers waking up and seeing those one-pointers again. It's just so frustrating, isn't it? I've got both of those players. In the week, especially also that Foden was sort of, everyone was transferring him in. Madison's blank in game week 12 meant that a lot of people took a risk on uh, sort of Trossard and then then moved back into Foden for this game week. A lot of transfers in from this week and it's one point. And it's the week that he finally fell foul of Pep Brulette after doing a great job of mostly surviving it. It's just timing. Timing is everything in this game. And once again, it was cruel. What else are we talking about this week? Oh, yeah, sorry. Well, yes, we have to talk about Trossard, don't we? Unfortunately, I am one of those people that sold him for a hit for Foden. And he scored. After all those blanks, he scores in the difficult fixture with an incredible wonder goal as well. Uh, so a nice little tweet here from the Fantasy Football Scout main Twitter uh, with the with the celebration of Trossard doing his sort of binoculars pose over his eyes. With the caption, he's looking at you, FPL managers. Inevitable. Yep. As inevitable as Thanos himself, that goal. Um, really just... I, it's weird. I sold him knowing it was going to happen, yet I did it anyway because... Clearly, I'm an idiot. Clearly, I need to be exterminated, which may happen if this thing next to me goes off again. Another tweet that I quite enjoyed was the fact that well, I mean, what you should all be aware of is the fact that, to be perfectly honest, I think we were kind of all in the same boat with him, or all in the same spaceship, I should say. Uh, FBL uh, Elf has tweeted a picture of Buzz Lightyear inside his little spaceship from Toy Story 2 with the caption, I bet I'm the only one who sold Trossard for Foden. I'll tweet to get some f- sympathy. And then it cuts to that image of just all the Buzz Lightyears in the same shopping aisle because that's all of us, isn't it? <laughs> it's just, Twitter on Saturday was just full of everyone being like, oh, I can't believe I sold Trossard for Foden. And this is what happens. Well, well, we're all Buzz Lightyear, unfortunately, so to infinity and beyond. Or rather, to bench and beyond. James Dent says he's got Pereira on his bench with eight points. I think that's going to be 11 points, to be honest, mate, because I think he's getting maximum bonus as well. So sorry to um, to, to kill you a little bit more with that one. Um, and yes, when he's in my team, he only gets two points. Yep, I have fallen foul of that this season. I don't think I've had any of Pereira's returns, and I sold him on my wild card as well, because, again, I'm clearly a mug. And so even the hauls he got before, I think, when uh, to wild card game week 10, all the hauls he got before then, he was just, you never can tell. Or whether you can, you know that he's going to do something big when he's on your bench or you sold him, or he's going to do nothing when you start him. Uh, but Chris Naz points out, this is a good point, actually, I haven't really gone into this yet, is that people getting Andreas points for Darwin no-show, that's fair. If you're one of those people, do let us know. Uh, and he says, meanwhile, I was feeling smug, having Salah and Firmino just before kickoff. Well, I'm going to imagine you probably don't feel as smug now, which I don't say to be... Uh, um, confrontational, but I sort of wonder if that's, you know, I feel a bit let down by your FPL team this week. So this is the place for you, my friend. This is the place for you where we're going to look ahead and help you either feel better by helping you realise that, don't worry, you're just a Buzz Lightyear in a shopping aisle, a shopping aisle in Al's Toy Barn. 
or you know maybe that there's there's reason to believe your players could do better next week. Our final tweet talking point this week, which well is the benches in some more detail. I've got some decent tweets on this, and yes, one of them is mine, but that's not me saying I've got a decent tweet. That's more just the fact that it sort of encapsulates the Danny Ward situation. Um, I've I've started him this week. I, I actually feel quite fortunate because I have managed to to navigate the Ward and the Guaita. Uh, goalkeeper rotation quite well uh, so I've had them both since game week 10 and I've managed to get the maximum score each time three weeks in a row uh, whoever I've started has got more points than whoever I've benched so this week I've got the eight points from, from Danny Ward which, I, which I'll take but I know that that's not that's not that common there's a lot of people out there that still have Ward on their bench and they probably started Guaita because he had a nice fixture and yeah, um, Danny Ward just continuing to to hurt people. I I say start him, start him more often. I've started him, I think, for two of the last three, I think, and I've got the clean sheets each time. Although I think they're playing they're playing Man City next, so don't start him next week. <laughs> but he wasn't. He's not the only. He's not the only player who's causing people problems on their bench. Uh, FBL Corrigan tweeted. It just transferred out Leon Bailey, and I feel so much better. Oh, yeah, so sorry. This isn't just bench players. This is people we've sold as well. And he's included a clip of, of Mark Corrigan from Peep Show, David Mitchell, of course, doing the weird, crazy, happy dance in that episode where him and Jeremy go to that strange, dancey place. He's very happy to have sold Leon Bailey. Well, goal and assist. Second Gerrard's out the door. Bang. <laughs> uh, and FBL Observer just says, anyone else got Andreas first on the bench? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just a highlight to people. You are not the only one. If you have been blocked, your Andreas points probably by Foden. A couple of comments uh, on on that whole situation. We got uh, Doogie saying uh, Trossard. Uh, well, he did Trossard and Kane to Firmino and Salah for a minus four. Well, that is pain. That is severe pain because obviously Trossard and Kane both got returns. Bobby Firmino and Salah did not. That is that is hugely frustrating. He also reminded people that Trossard even wiped out the Cancelo clean sheet to add insult to injury. Yeah, that's the other thing. I, I'm sort of a bit blind to that because I haven't had a Man City defender since my um, wild card, which actually hasn't been too much of a disastrous decision yet because that's two games in a row now where they've conceded. And uh, to my memory, I don't think Cancelo's got attacking returns. So uh, personally, that doesn't affect me, which means I haven't put a tweet on here to reflect it. So I do apologise because I know there are probably people out there who are frustrated. And too many Phil says, is Almiron a realistic option now? I don't have too much information on him in this video, but I had some data on him in game week 12, and I actually own him now. I've had him for two game weeks. I, I got the 10 points midweek, and then, uh, well, you can probably guess, now I benched him for game week 13, so his goal against Spurs I will not get because Foden came on. And I'm now relying on Bowen not to play, but I kind of want Bowen to play because I, I think he'll do well against Bournemouth. But yeah, it's it's been a week of pain, hasn't it? It's been a weekend of pain. So if that's you... Tell me. Also, if you want to gloat, go ahead. Go ahead. That's what this is all about. It's all about capturing the opposite ends of the emotional spectrum on this on this video. So don't be ashamed of uh, dropping a decent score in the chat, and you're not going to get hounded. So speaking of my team, then let's see how it got on. So it, I did take the screenshot a little bit earlier, so it's a little bit out of date uh, because prepping these videos takes a little bit of time. So I've been prepping it while the while the games have been on. And so when I when I screenshot this I was on 39 points which is obviously dreadful with a minus 4 hit as well which is obviously, you know, ill judged too. But it has updated slightly so I'll just I'll I'll read it through. So it's it's 7 points for war but I'm pretty sure that's going up to 8 um because I've just screenshot this from FPL and not live FPL so the bonus points on there. Uh Trippier 
Um, my understanding is he's not got anything in the Spurs game, so I think that'll be two points for him. Uh, Cresswell to play on Monday night. Uh, Gay got zero points as the Crystal Palace defence continues not to improve despite the decent fixtures. I got him, I got Gay and Guaito on my wildcard because the fixtures are good. And I, and I did know that the defence had been a bit dodge up until then, but I kind of hoped that the fixtures would help alleviate that. Alas, it was not to be. So zero points for Gay. I got Bowen to play on Monday night. Zaha with one point. Obviously, with his customary one point, Martinelli with two points, Foden with one point. It's pretty, pretty gross-looking midfield, to be honest. And then uh, Captain Harland, because obviously, uh, Vice Captain Jesus and Kane, who I don't know what bonus he's on for this for this uh, Spurs Newcastle game, but he did get me another return. So even though he's not like explosive, he continues just to prop up my team every week in quite a steady fashion. Gaeta on the bench, Almiron first sub with. Well, he'll get some probably bonus from the fact that he scored the winning goal as well. So it's probably going to be more than seven points. Cucurella, who continues to prove to be a terrible signing because he keeps getting subbed off. But at least he's on my bench this week and Webster as well. So that's that's where I'm looking at for now. Uh, ben Crampton's got 66 points, though. So thanks for getting in touch to tell us that because I'm glad that someone feels brave enough to share a decent score this week because I haven't seen very many. And John Tyner says, Almiron first on my bench. Has Perisic come on? Yes, unfortunately, my friend Perisic did come on, as he always does. Um, sometime in the second half, I think. So that's another one point for Perisic. It's just it's just a week of one point cameos, isn't it? So, ugh. who who who'd play this game? You know, I'm half a mind just to turn the stream off now and just you know go have some tea. <laughs> my game week fourteen team, then my bus team. I actually don't think it's too bad. I don't think it's too bad. So I'm doing the old switcheroo with Ward and Guaita again. So far, since my wildcard started, I've had a 100% success ratio of getting that right each week. Although I'm sure this will be the week that that goes wrong. Now I've said that. So Guaita and Gay again, you know, um, the definition of insanity is to keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again, obviously. So uh, they're in again for the Southampton game. And Cucurella back in because I don't really have anyone else because I don't really want to start Cresswell or Webster with uh, them playing United and and, uh, and Chelsea, respectively. Obviously, i got one transfer, so it may have to be Cucurella because he's just been useless, to be honest. But Brighton haven't been particularly good in front of goal, so just, oh, you're just capturing live reaction here of me just being like, I just don't know what to do with these players. And then Trippier starting, obviously, is, 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 is a key one. Then the midfield, Bowen, Zaha, Martinelli and Foden. Uh, Haaland, captain against Leicester, Jesus and Kane, and <laughs> Almoron still first on my bench. I mean, I'm clearly an idiot. I need to I need to work out what to do there. My uh, my transfers this week, I, should, I just completely forgot to tell you what they were. I, it was tr- Trossard out for, for Foden, and it was March out for Martinelli. And so March was my fifth midfielder, and so my thought was Almoron would probably just be maybe for... It's like Newcastle have a decent fixture coming up, and I thought I'd maybe get... I probably need to get rid of one of these midfielders so I can just get back to having four I want to start. So I've put myself in a bit of a pickle, but I don't mind sort of dead-ending the team a little bit because we've obviously got the World Cup coming up. So what's the next game? with 14. So I've only got three, three weeks left, so I don't mind my team sort of being a bit wonky in terms of structure. Because, of course, we all get a wild card after game week 16. So that's kind of my thinking there. So apologies if uh, my team looks a bit messy. I will have it sorted by the next deadline, I promise. So, yeah, that's how I'm looking at the moment. We were able to capture John uh, Tyner's live reaction to finding out that Perisic did, in fact, come on. And he said, darn. Which, uh, yeah, I think sums it all up. But BJN having a good week. He had 67 points on the pitch which is pretty good, although he got 26 points on the bench with Neko, Williams, Andreas Pereira, Alexander-Arnold and H- uh, Henderson. I'm going to assume Dean Henderson. I mean, yeah, that's, that's going to that's gonna be frustrating there. 
I mean, I take that. I got. I take the sixty-seven points. <laughs> but in a week like this, you know, if you'd have got some of them on the pitch as well, I mean, pushing up to eighty, you know, in a week where the average is quite low, that green arrow is probably quite would have been quite big. It's probably, it's probably quite big anyway. But it's always difficult having a, a big bench, isn't it? Richard J, forty-eight points with a minus four hit. Bad week. Only Harland and Mitrovic uh, got returned. Salt in the wounds. Points stuck on bench. Yeah, you are not alone, my friend. So this is the right place for you to be. Adrian Richardson got 73 points. Wow, nice. Love to hear he's in that team. And actually, I should just say, uh, BGN, the 67 points you got, would love to hear he's in your team as well. Considering you benched as well, you must have a good team. So do let us know. Uh, MHMD says, what's the average? Oh, you know, I did know it. I'll have a look now. Um, it's always hard to tell the exact... I'm not going to go on FPL site. I'm on live FPL, which is a little bit more... Well, clues in the name, a bit more live. The safety score for me in my current rank, uh, rank bracket is 54. Um, but I think the average is, is somewhere in the 40s at the moment. So, yeah, that's kind of the, the thinking around it. Although, I mean, the thing is, it depends how many West Ham players you got. But it's, it's it, in a way, it's sort of early days for the game week because I've only had nine players play. And to have two players playing on the Monday night is quite quite significant. And I'm probably not going to be alone. There's, I'm sure there's a fair few people who've got West Ham defence. So if you've got any West Ham players to play on Monday night, do tell us. Because uh, it gives us an idea of, of which people are are still holding on for something. So, with all of that out of the way, because let's be honest, you don't want to hear about my team. My team's shocking. Let's talk about Mo Salah, which I'm sure you all want to do. I'm sure if you're someone who's got him and he's let you down this week, you would love to talk about the Egyptian king. Or perhaps the Egyptian former king, depending on how ruthless you want to be about it. Um... I talked about him in the week as well, and I kind of felt like he was worth revisiting after the two blanks. Because, well, I mean, I was a bit nervous when I said it on the Monday stream because I was, I was a bit worried that I was going to sort of get, um, what's the word? I was jinxing myself, and that I was perhaps going to end up on FBL images that precede unfortunate events by saying that I wasn't that sold on Salah for the next two games. And I promise I'm not making this up. You can go back and look at the old stream if you, if you feel like I'm just saying this because, you know, it happened. I'm sure there wouldn't be a section on Salah if he'd gone nuclear after I'd said that. But, um, yeah, I just I wanted to sort of touch base on him a little bit more because I know there's people who have him in their team and now a bit worried about him moving forward. So just want to look at some of the some of the information there. Um, before I do, though, Abdullah got 58 points. John Tyner got 52. Doogie got 48 overall. So... People throwing in, uh, throwing in their scores now. BGN's team was Ward, Justin. Oh, nice double Leicester defence, brilliant. Uh, Trippier, Cancelo, Martinelli, Rashford, Mount, Foden, Kane, Harland, and Mitrovic. I mean, sixty-seven points from there's, there's a, a couple of blanks in there. Sixty-seven points, pretty good score. I can understand the frustration with the twenty-six points on the bench with a couple of those guys blanking. Uh, too many fills does have a West Ham player on Monday night. Is going to have so foul. Uh, he's praying for a no-show. So he can, um, I'm going to assume that Kasofa is on his bench. And Abdullah asks me, what's my rank? Well, at the moment, it's 955k. It's not been a nice few weeks. About three weeks ago, it was 400k after a really good performance, but I've just been dropping after my wildcard, which tells you what I know. And speaking of what I know, let's look at Salah in more detail. And, well, I, I mean, like I said, I'm trying not to be too out myself about this, but I sort of did did talk about this on Monday and was a bit, just was a bit thinking. I just wasn't really that sold on this whole Salah hype. So I'm going to go into some detail uh, on that. So, couple of things then so we're into the nitty-gritty of it now so it's all sort of stat heavy from this point i do apologize but salah has now officially blanked in more games than he hasn't this season uh, after 13 which i haven't actually compared that in previous seasons but i would put money on that having not been true after 13 game weeks in every previous liverpool season he's had 
And the, I mean, the, I mean, the other thing as well, people were interested about his position. Well, it was a bit of a battle of the narratives on Saturday. It was the lunchtime kickoff. You know, do you back the lunchtime kickoff? Do you go against the Gandhi and and uh, and back it, or is he going to be useful in the central area? Well, unfortunately, he wasn't that useful in the central area. The injury sort of meant he was playing more centrally, and the lunchtime the lunchtime curse struck again. Now, it's worth saying that Salah did have more shots and more penalty box touches than any other player in the Forest game, but the quality of his involvement wasn't too high. So as you can see, now what we've got on the screen now, so the benefit of the podcast listeners, we've got three things on the screen for you. I've got the touch heat map extracted uh, from the members area for that match from Mohamed Salah, which I'll talk through in a minute. I've got the XG shot map, and then I've also got the XGI of all players from the city ground on Saturday. And what the touch map is showing is that, I mean, there was, there's eight touches in the penalty box, which is more than any other player. Um, but there a significant number of them on the right-hand side. So he still did drift wide right quite a few times. And when you consider that he's supposed to be playing through the middle, you know, with a couple of injuries they've got, you know, that was obviously going to leave Liverpool in sort of some, some tricky situations if he's supposed to be playing centrally and he's drifting wide. Uh, and then, but the key thing is here, as I've said, he did top the match for shots uh, with four. Uh, but the quality just wasn't really there because the XG shot map, we've got four little dots all around the box. Now, for people who don't know how XG shot maps work, basically each shot obviously gets an XG score. You know, it's ranked out of one for how many goals it should be. And the best chances are close to one and the chances that are really difficult to score are quite low. And so that means that on the XG shot map, the bigger the chance, you know, the the, the larger the XG score, the bigger the little circle is going to be. So then all these little small we've got four little small dots in the box very low xg chances so sort of snatching at the ball snatching at the shot you know defenders in the way that sort of thing was largely the situation we had there uh, we got a question from abdulu says should i sell salah for son well we're going to come on to salah's prospects for the next game week in a minute so hopefully this section will prove uh, useful uh, for you and, and mhmd says do i sell salah and robertson or do i give them one, one last chance well hopefully as i said hopefully this section might be able to help you with that um so, uh, as I said, Salah's chance is not particularly strong. And so they're moving over to this table of uh, it's, it's every player in that match, what their expected goal involvement was, despite Salah topping the match for shots. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven players in that game had a superior expected goal involvement than him, including Firmino, Robertson, Harvey Elliott, Morgan Gibbs-White, James Milner, Fabio Cavallo, and the goal scorer Awanyi. So, you know, it didn't look particularly good. It didn't look particularly good, did it? And what it is worth saying, these are some of the stats I discussed on Monday night, so that's where I talked about my concerns about him before game week 12 and 13. So that's before the West Ham game, before the Forest game. And so going into the blank game week, and even after that City match, this is between game weeks 8 and 11, Salah had this big issue with accuracy and conversion or was having that problem. So at that point in time, he was roughly 20, it was roughly below 25 players uh, for shots on target in the Premier League between game weeks 8 and 11. Uh, his goal conversion was 8.3%, which is obviously quite far below the par for him. And, you, you know, you'd probably argue that both of those stats that we talked about on Monday night have then been borne out in the last two matches against West Ham and against Forest. You know, shots that he's having, you know, actually he's not great, goal conversion not great, and XG quite low, uh, that sort of thing. And the thing is, there was also some clues about West Ham and Forest as well, which... We're going to sort of be moving towards do we hold him for next week? You know, looking at West Ham and Forest as, def- as defenses that he's played against. Uh, 
So going into Blank Game Week 12, again, this is something we discussed on Monday night. West Ham were best in the league for the fewest big chances conceded in the previous four matches. So that meant that Salah on the midweek game was actually going up against, technically, the best performing defence of the previous four matches. And so actually, as I said, the blank shouldn't be, like, shocking, effectively. Um, And then what's really interesting, if you just keep an eye on this table is that um, joint fifth best for that stat between game weeks 8 and 11 was Nottingham Forest. And so I've not had much of a chance to get into this on many streams yet uh, in the the past few weeks. But if you look at the recent stats uh, for Forest, it will tell you that they haven't really been Premier League whipping boys for a sort of little while. At the beginning of the season, they were conceding chances left, right and centre and were giving up some big hauls to... Uh, to, you know, to, to play, we were targeting. We were targeting Forest to get points, but it's kind of looking like we probably can't really do that anymore, which is a bit frustrating. But it's always worth being on top of how these defenses are shifting. And well, that's been borne out in the last two matches as well, hasn't it? Because uh, Forest have now kept back-to-back clean sheets. Dean Henderson's now the top-scoring FBL goalkeeper. So Operation Target Forest is probably over now. <laughs> uh, I think Salah being heavily captained and blanking in that game just proves it that you you can't just trust Forest to be a team that you can get um, huge hauls out of. So with all that in mind, I was never going anywhere near Salah for the last two games, which is why I don't have him. Um, sorry if that sounds like Captain Hindsight, but as I said, go watch Monday's video. It's not really hindsight. I talked about it already. A um, couple of mitigating factors, though. So Liverpool have been quite bad away from home this season. So, you know, moving forward for home games, should it put you off? Perhaps not. You know, Liverpool away from home, they haven't won on the road yet. Um, they've picked up just two points uh, from five away matches. They've only scored five times in those games, which is, you know, pretty rubbish for them. Um, you know, defensively, they're really sh- they're shocking as well, to be honest, because, and, and while Salah's obviously not a defender, you know, we're going to probably lose that clean sheet point, which at the moment will probably come in quite handy, but it's more just the fact that Liverpool aren't in the position to really sort of, you know, control games as they were before. Um, in the last six matches, Liverpool actually ranked 19th in the Premier League, so they're the second worst in the league for expected goals conceded. Uh, they face some decent sides, and obviously they face City, but they've still given up an XG of 3.3, uh, 3.43 to Everton and Forest. So as in combined together, those two teams have put a score of 3.3 XGC on Liverpool, which is actually quite a lot when you consider those attacks haven't particularly been good this season. So Liverpool really out of sorts there. Uh, The other factor to consider, obviously, is the injury situation. Darwin missed out in game week 13 and Jota and Diaz weren't there. So, you know, those players not being around Salah probably didn't help. And we looked at the heat map, didn't we? He was sort of drawn out wide uh, at key points and that left a bit of a hole in the middle. So all of these factors are going to be swirling around about do I sell Salah? But, now this is all really easy for someone like you, like me who doesn't own Salah, but I'm just trying to give you all the information and hopefully you can make the decisions um, about your team. Uh, Darwin should be back for game week 14, starting with that Leeds game. Well, they've got midweek game, but that Leeds game at Anfield. Uh, so the quote from Klopp is, um, Thiago had... Uh, this is just a full quote on the injury. So Thiago had an ear infection last night and there was no chance for him to do anything. We drove him home. Darwin should be back on Wednesday. This game was just too early, so that he's referring to the Forest game. I think another day recovery would have helped him, but we played today. At least that is in my knowledge at the moment. And then he starts talking about a couple of other players. So Darwin probably is going to be back for the Leeds game, which will probably, that will probably help Salah uh, improve a little bit. And there is one thing that we should probably, the Salah owners should be thinking about, is that Leeds defence, considering that they haven't been playing particularly well. Um, you know, and many think that Leeds, they could be the team that finally gets Salah that big haul that his owners have been after. Thing is, though, now, 
we're talking about their defense. Leeds' defense is just statistically a bit weird right now. So I'm going to tell you some of how it's all sort of laid out. And then I'm going to give you my personal opinion on it, which you can take with as much salt as you like. And before I continue, should just remind people that if you haven't already signed up to Fantasy Football Scout membership, then uh, the premium membership and got access to the members area, then now is the time to do it. You head to fantasyfootballscout.co.uk, go to members benefits, have a look at all the great things you can have there and sign up. One of the many things you can have is access to these tables. You can customize them as much as possible, sort them based on different game ranges and all sorts. It's just immensely customizable and really, really useful. I've taken some screenshots, so hopefully these uh, prove enticing enough to you if you don't already have membership to, to join up. But yes, the Leeds defense, very strange. So are they going to let Salah have a big haul in game of 14? So Leeds in the last four matches rank eighth best for shots in the box conceded. So that means that you know only seven teams have conceded fewer in their box over the last four and you know more than half the league have conceded more shots in the box than leads over the, the past four but there's only uh three teams that have given up more big chances than them so uh, and one of those teams is liverpool <laughs> obviously because their defense is shocking right now but what that tells me is so i've always i've always said that if you've got a team that's not conceding too many big chances compared to everyone else but is conce- sorry is not conceding too many shots in the box compared to everyone else and you can buy and you compare that with oh but actually they are conceding quite a lot of big chances compared to everyone else that means it doesn't really take that much effort to register a big chance against this team if that makes sense you know the sort of shots in the box to big chance ratio for leads is really high because it's going to take fewer the stats tell us it takes fewer shots in the box to to it to for it to be a big chance. You know, teams that are conceding lots of shots in the box and lots of big chances are sort of in a slightly different kettle of fish, if that makes sense. So it basically means that actually this te- this leads teams a bit bit messy, which you know I think we all kind of know anyway. But um, what's also really strange is that even though they are doing pretty poor for big chances. Their expected goals conceded in the last four matches is actually not that bad. So they are joint sixth best for expected goals conceded with a total of 4.33. So effectively in the last four matches should have conceded four goals or just over four goals. But they've conceded eight. And actually their their XGC uh, delta, which obviously is the difference between XGC, how many goals they should have conceded and how many goals they have conceded, 3.67 is the worst in the Premier League over the same period. And so all of that, what that basically means is it doesn't really take that much. It doesn't really take too many shots in the box for you to statistic, the, you know, the law of averages be that you get a big chance against this defence. And it's also conceding more goals than it should be based on the chances that are being created, which largely, as I said, implies quite a messy defence. A, quite a, a defense that is is letting in more goals than it should do, and I think anyone who's watched Leeds play recently, and I think Leeds fans probably would be the first to admit this, that the eye test really confirms that. You know, they, they've they've not been playing very well, and so I know this has taken a long time, and I've gone through a lot of numbers. A couple of people are asking this question, so that's why I've given it some time. If I had Salah right now, I'd probably be holding him for one more match. Now I know that's easy for me to say because I don't have him. And obviously I've talked about loads of stats here that show that the blanks in the last two games were kind of like semi-predictable. But it's just it's just this Leeds defence being a bit sort of naff that might mean you get something. And if you've got fires elsewhere to deal with, you know, people might be looking at Trossard to Almiron. We're seeing people sort of suggesting that in the chat. I, I, there are worse moves this week or worse decisions this week than just giving Salah one more week 
And I promise I'm not saying that on the basis of I still don't have him and I hope that you guys keep him for one more week for another black. It's, it's not about that. But there's just there's a chance because this Leeds defence looks a bit messy. So hopefully that answers people's questions on Salah. Uh, and I promise we've got other things to talk about, not just him. Because <laughs> I've been talking about him for ages. But he's expensive, well-owned, so it's worth the time. Um, loads of people in the chat talking about Bowen. Uh, he looks like he is good. Well, people are praying that he is the savior for the game week. And well, I have to agree. He's my savior. He hopefully will be my savior uh, as well. Wayne Robinson said, is Ben White nailed for game week 14? I'd have said so. I think Ben White's played quite a lot recently. Abdullah is one of the people asking about, um, what are my thoughts on Trossard to Almiron? Well, I, uh, I, when did I, I signed Almiron for, for game week. Get my head around this now, 12. And then I sold Trossard for Game Week 13. So I guess, in theory, my answer to that is yes, because I have Almiron and I don't have Trossard. Almiron's stats have actually been really good. I talked about him on Monday. I'm pretty sure, if I can remember them correctly, going into Game Week 12, at the very least, he was in the top six of all, all FPL midfielders all season for expecting goal involvement. So, yeah, it's not a surprise to me that he's, he's now coming good. So I, I, I think he's a good option. Uh, Ulrich says... Weird week. I need more points than the top 10k. I'm currently 300k to keep my rank. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's got to be hard to be fighting in that particular part of the uh, the ranking. I'm finding it a lot harder every season. There's more and more players every season, so you have to get bigger and better scores just to hold on to ranks that previously were easier to hold on to. Let's talk about Man City quickly. Then there's not that much that we need to talk about, but I feel like we have to touch base because obviously that was sort of well owned. But uh, the first thing to point out is that this probably seems silly to say, but Haaland we knew he was the penalty taker anyway, but just the one last, we sort of dotting the I and crossing the T is that he took a penalty whilst Maris was on the pitch, which uh, just goes to show that he definitely, 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 definitely is the penalty taker this season. But there's a couple of rotation-y things and just, you know, we've all got Haaland. So are there ways we can, you know, get around the fact that he's kind of just, I'm being told that he's a Norwegian meat shield is what people are calling him on social media because he, he doesn't really... He doesn't really help you anymore because everyone's got him and everyone kind of captains him, really. So how can we get around that? Well, Foden is the obvious one. I don't really have much to add on Foden other than the fact that surely, surely he's coming back in for game week 14. He's, you know, he's had his arrest now. So, you know, I don't think, I mean, I don't think anyone is really seriously considering getting rid of Foden, but I did just want to bring you this quite funny quote that just kind of highlights the fact that we are just never going to get any information out of Pep. Foden was, was benched. He was asked about it. Uh, the game and his quote was just to you know why is Foden bench was the question from the journalist and his answer was I choose for Riyad and Jack that was it <laughs> yeah, yeah we know that Pep we've seen the team sheet what we're asking is why <laughs> and he didn't say he just you know you know just had nothing to say so we're never going to find out are we but the thing is he's, he's played now isn't he so he, he's had his rest so you think he's going to play in the next one but there was just one other person I want to mention, which is Bernardo Silva, because he is now second in the Premier League uh, assist table. Uh, he set up two goals. He set up two goals uh, in the uh, in the game against uh, Brighton. One of them was an assist for a penalty, so it's not that hasn't come from creativity. And what I will say is that in the uh, the ch- sort of chances created charts, like Bernardo Silva isn't really doing that well. But if you know he's not creating that many chances, but he's a quality player. His his stats are you know or rather his fantasy stats are quite are doing quite well and the thing is his price is probably going to start increasing because if he's if he's in that sort of period, part of the table where he's popping up where the so-called casuals if I'm allowed to call them that will see him those sorts of players are quite good for soaking up value potentially a player to soak up value when the, um you know maybe when the world cup's on and everyone's doing their transfers um 
Al Basidi says Salah to KDB or Son to Wilson. So, oh, sorry, sorry, Salah to KDB or Son or Wilson to Tony with a minus four. Uh, well, uh, Wilson, I think has he come off with an injury or at least I think there was possibility of an injury in this in this Spurs game. Uh, if he's fit, I really like Wilson. I think he's I think he's fantastic um, as as a player. I can't remember what the exact stat was. I think it was something like he's got like 30 goals in in 42 Newcastle starts, which I think that was what the stat was on Monday. So I'm guessing that's up to 31 in 40, uh, 44, I think. <coughs> but certainly very good. So I actually like Wilson, personally. So I wouldn't be taking minus fours to get rid of Wilson unless there is an injury, in which in which case maybe that's why I've asked. But um, Salah to KDB or some, well, what I will say is, well, obviously live right now, and you can watch back. Oh, Abdullah just reminded me that Wilson is fit. Okay, cool. Well, if Wilson is fit, then I'd just keep him. But yeah, Albasidi, what I would do is I don't. I'm such a dinosaur when it comes to YouTube. I don't know if you can rewind whilst I'm whilst I'm live, but if you can go back and just watch the section I've done on Salah. Hopefully, that will tell you whether or not you feel comfortable moving him on. If not, wait for this video to finish being live and then go back. Because, yeah, I've just done a big section on Salah. And my general view is that if I had him, I'd probably give him one more week. I'd be really nervous. I'd be really scared. But just based on just Leeds' defence looking a bit dodge and maybe Darwin Nunez is coming back and he might just provide a bit of impetus into that Liverpool defence. And the fact that it is at Anfield where Liverpool have been a bit more reliable for well for wins this season because they haven't won any away from home. Personally, I, I wouldn't be doing minus fours for that. I wouldn't be doing minus fours for those moves because I, I personally think that you could end up in a situation where Salah and Wilson both get you something and then, you know, you'll probably be regretting it. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that move personally, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right answer. That's um, that's, all, that's all I can tell you. Uh, I did want to talk about Everton because they sort of come out of the blue. And the reason that they're sort of everyone's gone, oh, okay, I forgot about you guys, was because we're all quite heavily invested in Crystal Palace. And they got tanked. <laughs> in typical FPL fashion, the team that we're all invested in gets tanked by the team that no one's invested in. So, I mean, I'm not too surprised that the Palace defense got a bit got a bit stashed because, the, as I sort of mentioned at the start of the video, that actually I've like Palace's defensive stats have been shocking. And even when I bought two of their defenders for my wild card in Guaita and, and Gay, I, I knew that the defence had been shocking coming into that spell, but I just kind of hoped that the teams they were playing were bad enough that they would start improving, and and they didn't, which, you know, chalk one up for form over fixture, I suppose. But it did just... So, I mean, the thing is, with this Everton stuff, just take it with a pinch of salt, the Palace's defence sucks, so maybe we're just reading into this too much. But there's just some interesting stuff here, and what I should say is a lot of this stuff that I'm pulling out is all coming from the uh, Fantasy Football Scout Scout Notes, which is articles that Neil and uh, Tom do on Fantasy Football Scout website every weekend going into lots of detail about the game. So if you want more detail on some of the stuff I've talked about, you can head to the website and catch them there. Uh, and uh, the screenshots that I've got are from the Fantasy Football Scout members area. So if you don't have access to that, then sign up now. Uh, so yes, let's let's talk about Everton. Uh, one thing to note was that Alex Iwobi has now got his fourth and fifth assist of the season and is now joint sixth amongst midfielders for chances created. So if you and he's five point five. So if you're looking for a differential, because the thing is, is that um, what I should have said is that Everton's fixtures are actually quite nice. So Palace and Everton have been quite near the season, the top of the season ticker. So when you saw the teams were defensive difficult, uh, defensive or offensive difficulty, Everton and Palace have been coming out quite nicely. Now a lot of people hadn't been investing in Everton because they we hadn't seen very much, but. 
if you do fancy a differential and you like the fixtures, then maybe Iwobi is the one to go for because his stats creatively have been pretty good. Quite advanced in the heat map that we've got on the screen as well. The only two players ahead of him were two, uh, uh, two Anthony Gordon and Cowart Lewin were the two players ahead of him. He's sort of playing in a central, almost number 10 role. The only caveat that comes with that is he is overperforming against his expected assist at the moment. Maybe he's going to regress to the norm, but he's in he's in a decent patch, is Alex Iwobi, so maybe uh, he is one to consider. And if anyone is thinking about Anthony Gordon and you're wondering, oh, well, he scored against Palace, well, one thing we have included is the XG shot map. Now, I've already explained how those work. Um, it, effectively, the bigger the chance, you know, the higher the XG, the bigger the little circle that goes in front of, that goes on, on, the, on the pitch. And Gordon's goal against Palace had an XG of 0.93 because it was basically on the line. So it's about as big as you can get. Is he going to get a chance as big as that again? Probably never. So just bear that in mind when you are looking at um, players uh, to go for. Uh, yeah. So, but, you know, decent price. And, and what I will say is that Gordon is still having a lot of shots this season. I do just like to temper people's enthusiasm sometimes. But yeah, it will be in Gordon and probably on people's radars. And Calvert-Loon obviously is back. First goal of the season people interested in him probably not a bit too expensive but i wouldn't be surprised just based on their fixtures and the fact that he's fit now and got a little bit of support around him maybe could be a bit of a differential differential in the coming weeks so save this video <laughs> and finally before we talk about before i just take a few questions another team that do have good fixtures so if you are looking at capitalizing in the next few weeks is actually man united so i don't want to say decent result against chelsea because i don't want to get attacked by the people who think that United shouldn't have celebrated a draw. <laughs> um, but, you know, United are showing slow signs of improvement under Ten Hag. Um, and and then with these fixtures as well. Now, the fixture ticker screenshot that I've got does actually take you beyond the World Cup. So, in 14, 15 and 16, they've got um, West Ham at home, Villa away, Fulham away. And so that takes you to the World Cup. And then when the unlimited transfers come in, they've got Forest at home in Game Week 17, Wolves away in 18 and Bournemouth home in 19 so really nice fixtures quite near the top of the season ticket for that six match period so I think it's worth having them on our radar for the next couple of matches I've already mentioned that West Ham defence has been pretty good so I'm not really suggesting people are going to you know be piling in on Man United assets for game week 14 although you know feel free you know it's a free country free world you can do that if you like but I really think it's probably a little bit beyond that that, we, that they sort of are going to be more worth having but I just, I, just want, I just want to put them on your radar. I put them on your radar because their fixtures are quite nice. And I do just want to talk about Anthony. And before you ask me which one, um, I'm talking about Anthony <laughs> as opposed to Anthony Martial or Anthony Alanga. So he is, is looking like quite a decent threat. I've I've always felt that he, when it, the games I've watched him for the most part, has looked uh, quite exciting. Um, he, had a, he had a decent chance to score against Chelsea as well, but he you know, can put it away. But his last six matches, which uh, that that is effectively his United career so far in the Premier League anyway, because that's how many times he's played. Uh, Salah is actually the only midfielder who's had more shots than Anthony since he turned up. Now, a lot of those have been outside of the box. So you'll see from what I've got on the on the screen. So for the benefit of the podcast listeners, last six matches, midfielders sorted by shots. Salah top with 22 and Anthony second with 20. Bowen and Madison joint third with 19. Is that... Um, Bowen's got 14 of those 19 have been in the box Salah's 17 of those 22 have been in the box only 9 of Anthony's 20 have been in the box so he doesn't shoot in the box very often but he is quite an accurate distance shooter so uh, 
Anthony's actually got nine shots on target from that section, which is actually pretty impressive when you consider that so many of them are outside of the box. And that's more than Salah. He's had more in the box. And we did talk earlier about Salah having a bit of an accuracy problem. So those particular stats on, on him are actually looking pretty good. And the only thing about United is, you know, they're maybe missing a few additional pieces around uh, around them because Rashford, you know, uh, just, just can't really get his season going and hasn't done for a little while. You know, the Ronaldo situation probably isn't helping people. You've got Sancho and you've got Martial in there who sort of been stop-start in their United careers last few years. So maybe that attack's not like completely, completely ready. But person, personally, I like, I like these Anthony stats. And I think that when those... Could maybe I don't know what I'm going to be doing in 15 or 16, but I might be taking a bit of a punt on him in 15, 16. And bearing in mind that we all get those unlimited transfers from uh, game week 17 onwards. I mean, I, I would be shocked if Anthony was not in one of my drafts for that particular period. So I do think it's worth people um, keeping those keeping those in mind. Um, Esther Spears has just posted in the chat saying Mo Salah 21.58. I think that is the timestamp for the Mo Salah section because I know that there's been a few questions about him. So if you jump back in, that's that's where you want to have a look. Abdullah says Anthony's too expensive, too expensive for him, which which I can understand. He's 7.6 and for someone who, I mean, I suppose is untested in the Premier League, I, I can understand that. But I sort of look at my own personal structure and think that I've got Bowen, I've got Zaha, I've got Foden and I've got Martinelli. You know, the, I, I clearly like that bracket this season. And so actually getting to Anthony might not be too difficult when one of those players in there has fixtures I don't like. But I mean, to be perfectly honest, Zaha is massively on my chopping block right now. I don't think I can be bothered with him anymore. He's just a one-point merchant these days. And I've got I pers- I've got one million in the bank, so I can get from Zaha to Anthony quite easily. So for me, I think that's gonna, that, that is possibly a decent switch. I appreciate that. Maybe not everyone else's situation. But I, I, did, that, that was, I should have said that's one of the reasons I mentioned him is that there's been a lot of frustration with our mid-price midfielders in the last couple of weeks. You know, they've had decent fixtures, decent stats, and they've just completely let us down. So um, I just wonder if Anthony can potentially uh, be the uh, solution there. I'll tell her just, uh, just additional comment on United. Is I think Newcastle have played much better than Man United and Chelsea this season. It's hard to disagree with that. I mean, if we're in, talking about these midfielders, Almiron has scored again. And I was just referencing earlier that this stat is only dated to Monday, so it's two matches out of date. But going into that, uh, Almiron was in the, uh, the the top 10 for expected goal involvement amongst all midfielders this season. So it just shows you the company is keeping and uh, he is starting to deliver on that. So Almiron obviously is way cheaper <laughs> than, than Anthony. So if it was between the two, I mean, I'd go Almiron. Obviously, I already have him. So I would say that. I would say that. But yeah, so that brings me to the end of what I have prepared for you guys tonight. Just a quick reminder to uh, subscribe and to like this video and hit the bell notification if you want more content like this. But what I will just say is if you have any questions, then chuck them in the chat and I will do my best to answer them. I'll probably stick around for another five or so minutes. So chuck those in the chat if you uh, have any more questions. Abdullah points out that Haaland has only blanked against uh, Liverpool and Bournemouth this season. Yeah, and I still think it's quite funny that that Bournemouth are one of those teams that have managed to keep him out. Personally, uh, I, I don't know how they managed it, but it's one, one of those great stats, isn't it? Abeniza uh, uh, says double Newcastle defence. Uh, well, I, I don't have I don't have a double Newcastle defence, and I wildcarded quite recently, and I wasn't too sure about it. They still concede a fair amount of chances. They aren't in that position anymore where they there was a time there was a time i think it was around game week eight or nine where they were perf- they were ranking actually really highly for fewest or big chances shots in the box conceded all that sort of thing and 
that isn't quite the case anymore and they haven't kept a clean sheet in a little while so I think it's Trippier and it and that's it really and to be honest I mean when you look at the way that the attack is is doing I mean I I, I don't if you're going to have I don't think you have to have three Newcastle players but if someone put a gun to my head and said you've got to have three Newcastle players but it's completely up to you you know I'm going to leave it up to you how you how you sort that through your team I'd actually rather have double Newcastle attack and Trippier personally because I, I just don't think that we can I just don't think we can rely on on that Newcastle defence anymore and it's a shame because I'm a big fan of Pope but uh, he just haven't, hasn't been getting the points recently and I've been quite enjoying having the Guaita and the Ward double up which is a lot cheaper and as long as you can rotate it as long as you can rotate it, then I think it then, then I think it works out. So that that would be how I would do it. I would uh, yeah go for the double attack, probably Almiron and and Wilson. Uh, Abdullah says, "Are you going to play with risk before the World Cup?" Absolutely, I am. I mean, I I love it when you can dead end your team. Uh, it's one of my favourite times of uh, yeah. <laughs> Stick it a knife in one additional comment. Considering the your nine five five k, yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm chasing, I'm chasing at this particular point in time. When there is an opportunity to dead end a fantasy team, I will always take it. I wouldn't, in my mind, there's kind of absolutely no point in looking beyond game week 16 because we've all got a wild card, right? So there's just no point. And I'm happy just to get a couple of short term punts and to see what happens. Almiron was actually one of them. I signed him for game week 12 and he delivered, well, he's delivered twice, but I've only decided to accept it once because I've benched him for the second one. But he was a, an example. I felt that his stats were pretty decent and he wasn't really getting talked about very much. So I signed him and I've got uh, probably about 20 points out of him now. He is exactly the kind of player that I need right now. So I'll, I'll definitely be considering that. And whenever I'm looking at the fixtures, it is just going to be for game weeks. Uh, what is it now? 14, 15 and 16. So just those three. And if, and if I've got, if there's players who are already good for maybe two game weeks, great, fine. You know, um, I'm happy to go for it. Um, Abdullah with another question. He's full of questions. Thank you very much for for propping up the the, the question the question box tonight. <laughs> he says, "Will you can uh, Captain Kane in game week 14?" Now that's I mean it is a good question. I'll just uh, go back to my team on my end so I can just double check what I actually did when I bus teamed it. I've actually got him down as my vice at the moment because I have Haaland, like most people. But when I set my bus team, I did I from memory now I think I did actually just stick it on Kane just to see how it felt. And then there was a big sky blue, you know, omission to the far left hand side. I was like, mm, I kind of feel a bit nervous going against the grain. The thing is, is that Bournemouth's defence hasn't been great. I will freely admit that. But Leicester's, you know, Leicester's has improved recently, but it's just, it's Haaland, isn't it? Just I'm just going through some stats now to see if I can answer your question with a bit more detail. So last four matches then, you know, oh, okay, here we go. Right. Bournemouth actually with and, and Leicester joint best in the league for fewest big chances conceded so that's helpful uh, expected goals conceded they're both sort of in the middle of the table so they're sort of they're not exactly whipping boys right now defensively the whipping boys the teams like Liverpool and Brentford do I have anyone playing against them <laughs> maybe that's what I've got to think about um, I don't sadly but um, I just I can't bring myself to captain Harland, uh, Captain Kane over Harland right now. The thing about Kane is I'm liking what he's doing for my team, but he hasn't had a double figure haul since game week eight. Like he gets me sort of like six to nine points every week, and it isn't. It just isn't explosive enough. It just isn't explosive enough for me to consider going counter Harland. I'd love to because I think it, I think it will pay dividends at some point. I'm sure there. I'm pretty sure there was a week because right? I've had Kane all season. I think there was a week about game week four or five where I captained Harland and Kane was the one that did bigger, did better. So, 
it will happen from time to time, but predicting it's going to be difficult and you have to have balls of steel, really, because Haaland right now is just... Poor. It's just, oh, it's just difficult to go against them, isn't it? Uh, FPL SWAT says, good evening, David. like this format on a Sunday. Well, thank you very much. I enjoy spending that time with you, so appreciate the, the nice comment. Uh, Rehan says, I'm thinking about Zaha to Almiron this week. Both have home uh, good fixtures at home. Yep, I think that's a good good switch to make. I really have been hugely frustrated with Zaha recently. Hasn't really been giving me what I want. And, you know, his his stats are starting to drop off a little bit now. His goal conversion rate is just 9.1%. Only one big chance in the last four. That's in the last four, I should say, with the 9.1%. So it's, it's not looking good for him. Uh, and, yeah, he's definitely on the chopping block for me. I think I think that's a sensible move, to be honest. I've already waxed lyrical about Almiron. I've already explained about how frustrating Zaha's been. So I fully endorse that move, my friend. I think that would be a good one. Uh, FPL Swat saying, is Almiron too cheap to ignore considering his form? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's the other thing we just not really talked about. His price is ridiculous. I think he's 5.3 at the moment, which is fantastic, fantastic value. And he's finally coming good. If we sort of just quickly talk about Almiron historically, I think people are put off him a little bit because historically hasn't done that well you know he was a player that would always flatter to deceive he was quite useful in that Newcastle team but he just lacked that cutting edge and his stats were always pretty good but he would always underachieve against them a couple of weeks ago I was talking about you know players who perennially overachieve and underachieve their xg so people like kdb constantly overachieves his xgi because he is world class so it means that he is capable of quite regularly delivering on the world class assists and the shots and then you've got players like McGoldrick who will miss the easy chances and things like that. And so then would perennially underachieve against their XG. And for a long, long time, Almiron was in that bracket. Like when he first turned up, I got quite excited about his stats initially. And I can't remember if I owned him near the beginning. I probably didn't because I don't normally go in for new players. But I just kind of felt like this guy is just... It just went on for so long. It just went on for so long that he just wouldn't deliver on those stats. But now appears to be the time that he is finally coming in. And, you know, it's not surprising. I mean, Eddie Howe has transformed that attack. So um, well done to him for playing his part in that. And so, yeah, with that price, he's priced because of the historical poor performances. But actually, they're the best players sometimes. It's the players who historically have done poorly, so people have put off them. If you can get on the bandwagon just timed just right when they actually start coming good like actually coming good then it can it can do quite well quite well for you john tyner said i had raya on my bench last few weeks pope was my keeper got raya in goal this week Ugh, that's it i mean well just bring it around all full circle that is that has been the theme of this week hasn't it is people people's benching decisions and final question then fc says should i bring Saka in against nottingham forest well it's hard to say i mean i gotta be honest arsenal didn't look too good in that southampton game if you if you um head back to earlier in this video so whether or not you can do that live or if you have to wait for it to finish and go back i did talk about forest defense that it has actually been improving recently and so i annoyingly wanted to have double arsenal attack because i was looking at that forest fixture and now we've actually come to it forest defense has been doing pretty well the the stat i can give you off the top of my head without double checking it but i still think is useful is it between games eight and eleven so that's before the days before the, the 12 game week 12 game and 13 game in that period forest were joint uh, fifth best for fewest big chances conceded which is a far cry away from where they were at the start of the season when they were just bottom of that stat every week and they were giving up chances left right and center huge improvement there going into 12 and 13 and then in 12 and 13 they've kept clean sheets in both of them and henderson's got 11 points in each one so i'm no longer in a position where i'm confident that arsenal are going to thrash them they may still win you know they might still thrash them but you know when we're making these decisions we've, i like to be confident based on the information that i can see in front of me and the information i can see in front of me is that Forest defence is improving. So, 
hopefully that answers your question about whether or not you should bring in Saka. And I'm sure now that I've said it like that, he's going to score a hat-trick. But um, I just think that the, if you can take one thing away from this video, it is that Forest are not whippy boys anymore. They have made some defensive improvements. And, I mean, personally, I think that's nice to see. It's nice to see Forrest doing well in the Premier League again. And, of course, they are the team of the legendary Mark Southern. So it's always good when he is in a good mood because we all have a lot of respect for that man. So, uh, on that note, I am going to draw this uh, video to a close. Thank you, everyone, to joining me at the slightly earlier time. As I said, it's got nothing to do with Doctor Who, I promise. And uh, just another reminder to make sure that if you have enjoyed this video, then make sure that you... Uh, hit the like button, subscribe to Fantasy Football Scouts YouTube channel and hit the bell notification so you don't miss any more videos like this. You will be able to watch the Scoutcast on Tuesday. There'll be team news on Friday. Two very important videos for you as you go into Game Week 14, so make sure you don't miss those. Make sure you sign up to the Fantasy Football Scout members area as well because it is revolutionary in terms of your ability to play FPL. I speak from personal experience on that one. And so, yeah, I think that's all of the endorsements I need to make. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining me. And I hope you all have a good week and that your green arrows in Game Week 14 are all very significantly large and take you to new new heights in the FPL ranking. So, yes, I will speak to you very soon.